What's up, everybody? Hope you're doing great and just having a wonderful day. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in online if you're watching, and, and we absolutely feel like you're part of us. And man, when you look at this year, I mean, this year just started, isn't it? Isn't that exciting? I know we always look forward to New Year's and what that means and what that looks for. And so we're hoping and praying and believing that this 2021 would be an amazing new year for you personally, for your family, for our church. And so one of the things that I absolutely just wanted to share, you know, what this new year also brings is just with all these new happenings and all these things, it, it all, everything that takes place, it constantly is, we're constantly on our toes, aren't we? Over these last several months, you know, we're just on our toes. And I just, I want to say, like, as the lead pastor and as a leader in the community, we continue to declare that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Jesus is the King of Kings, is what it says in Scripture. And so just as a, thank you so much. That's awesome. We will continue to declare that. And so, you know, obviously there's a number of things happening politically and in our nation. And so we just, we say very just passionately that Jesus is above every single leader, that all, all leaders in authority submit to him and, and, and who he is. And so we just want to declare that. But then also scripture calls us to pray, to pray for our leaders, to pray for our nation, our community, local leaders, state leaders, national leaders. And so we just have to remind ourselves to be praying and to keep our eyes on Jesus. Because when we take our eyes off of him, that's when things start to go sideways. So as a church, we promote unity. We promote just involvement in the community. We, we promote passionate prayer uh, for movement of the Holy Spirit, not violence. And so that's what we want uh, as a church, as people, as leaders. And so we just want to declare that. So I just would ask that you would agree with me now in prayer as we pray for our leaders, for our nation uh, in a powerful way. So Lord God, we come before you. And Father, we lift our eyes towards you. And Father, sometimes we just, we recognize our circumstance, we recognize what we're struggling with at work and at home, Lord, what's going on in, in our nation, in our communities, Lord, sicknesses and viruses, God, those things constantly are pulling us and, and they're, they're causing strain and difficulty. And so, Lord, right now we lift our eyes towards you and declare that you are King, you are Lord, we worship you, we acknowledge that your throne is in heaven and that earth is your footstool. And so, Lord, thank you so much for picking us, allowing us to serve you, allowing us to be in our communities, allowing us to lead and be peoples of, people of influence in and around our spheres and, and community. And, and Lord, I just I pray for our mayors, I pray for our governors and, and our new president, Lord. I pray and just declare that you are king, you are Lord. Would you move powerfully in their lives? Lord, would you continue to reveal the power of your Holy Spirit in us and through us? Lord, in us first, that your name would be proclaimed. In Jesus' name, Amen. I know, I know that's a big deal. Like I, I know it's for some of you it may be a challenge and a stretch, but man, I just we have got to continue to, to have the right perspective and the right mind. And, and I, and I want to share with you, like as a person, as a person in this church, in this community, you know, you have a future, don't you? When you look at this year, you know, there's a lot in store for you personally. And so whenever there's a new year, we always make some kind of goal or resolution. And I know a lot of people were just going, as long as it's nothing like last year, I'm cool with 2021, whatever it brings. But maybe you laid some out. Maybe you're going, hey, you know, we missed out on a vacation last year and we couldn't do it. And we hope to go on a family vacation or, or there's a, a vehicle that you have that maybe isn't running so good and you're wanting to repair it. Or, you know, maybe you want to get a new vehicle. Like we all lay out New Year's resolutions, but oftentimes they're related to our our possessions and our things, aren't they? And so I just, I want to challenge you to, to possibly make some spiritual goals as well, some spiritual resolutions that we need 
in our lives and how we see God, how we connect with him, how we relate with him. You know, uh, just involvement in the church, like serving in the church. That, that's one of the things that scripture calls us to. And, and there are a few teams where we could use a few extra hands. We could use a few extra people. So if you're not serving, I want to encourage you to take that step and move forward. Maybe you just say, hey, I've gotten away from actively praying or actively reading my Bible. So I just would say to you, maybe you say, I, I want to I read my Bible three times a week. Like I didn't say seven. Is seven the goal? Sure, every single day we should be in God's word. But if you're not doing any, to say, I'm going to do it every single day of the week. Like that's ambitious and you probably would fall short and say, well, I missed a day and then, and then we just kind of let it go by, by the wayside. I would just say, let's start with three and then you get to four and five and, and seven and, and maybe you incorporate soap, our soap Bible study as part of your daily devotion, just writing down scripture and what the Holy Spirit's saying to you through his word because it's alive and it's active and we've got to recognize that. And, and if you're doing all those things, that's awesome. And I have another step that I want to challenge you with. And even if you've never done this before, starting February 1st, we as a church, we're going to be launching out on 21 days of prayer and fasting. So from February 1st through February 22nd, prayer and fasting. And I want to challenge you. You know, a lot of times we go, oh, you know, I'm going to fast from this particular thing and, or that. And, and it, it may be okay. And you maybe need to do that. And, but man, I, I want to challenge you to, to take a step farther and and beyond what is comfortable for you then maybe you just say hey i'm gonna give up social media for a little bit like okay that's nice i get it you know we all need to recalibrate in that area but maybe there's something bigger and bolder that god is asking you to fast because he wants to do something miraculous in your life and maybe the breakthrough that you've been longing for for 2021 comes as a result of 21 days of prayer and fasting that's what we're praying for breakthrough in your life in your family in your marriage in our community like that's what we're after we're not just after like mediocre and things that are okay we want we want to just express our passion and desire and dependency upon the lord and who he is and so like we i hope that you have goals you know i know for us as a church we we have goals as well you know as the leader of the church we just say hey we've got to do this we've got to move in this direction so in order to accomplish the goals that we have what we've done over these last few months is we've established a new vision statement. And it's not that the old one was bad. It wasn't wrong or inappropriate or anything like that. We just, we needed new focus. You know, there's times in our life when we need new focus. And, and honestly, we needed a bigger, bolder, more audacious vision statement because we felt like God was taking us to a next step, to a new level. And to, to lay out that bold vision statement is something that we wanted to do. So, the new vision statement for Grace Church, if you haven't heard this already, is that Grace Church exists to transform the Space Coast with the radical love of Jesus. So there are some key elements in there that are bold and big and just should be inspiring. And so as a result of launching out this new vision statement, you know, we have bracelets that you can grab a hold of while you leave. We have t-shirts that are free. You can grab one. We just would ask that you wear it and that you live it out. Like wear love out and, 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 and share, you know, Christ in a radical way in our community and, and where God has called us. So because of all that, we also have started a new series. Uh, so we call this, this series The Radical Love. I mean, that's what this is about. If we're going to make a bold declaration about being, you know, having that radical love in our communities, we wanted to take the steps that are necessary to do that. Because I believe that it's actually possible to have love in every single circumstance in our life. Not just saying, I love you because I'm supposed to, 
Or, or I'm saying I love you because, you know, I know that's what's expected. But literally taking scripture and saying, when, when, when the Lord challenges us to love our neighbors as ourselves, to love our enemies, like that type of love in every single circumstance, the person that you think is in opposition to you, showing radical love to them. Why? Well, one, obviously the Bible calls us to, and one of the big ways and reasons that that's the case is because there's a powerful passage of scripture that declares this statement that love never fails. And so none of us want to fail. None of us want to have shortcomings. So if we can live this radical love, then we don't fail. We, their success comes as a result. And so the Apostle Paul, he actually wrote two different letters to a church in Corinth. And, and, and one, of the, one of the chapters that he took, uh, he, just, he took a significant amount of time to describe what love was about and what it looked like. And it's possible if you're married, it's possible that the pastor read this passage of scripture in your wedding ceremony. So it might be familiar, but what I want to do is I want to put a new spin on it. Because not all of us are married. Not all of us have read this. Maybe you've heard it before, but man, what if we looked at this passionate, you know, this, this passage of scripture in with fresh eyes and with a new perspective and with radical love on our mind to bring transformation in our community? So here's what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 1. If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. Now, one of the things that you need to know is I am very passionate about visual aids. Visual aids and like things that we can see. And so when I first... When I first start playing it, you're like, wow, that's cool, that's awesome, I love the drums too. But if I kept going, and kept going, you would get to the point where you'd be like, that's a little annoying. <laughs> a little bit, right? So, man, when I read these verses, you know, verse 1 just... It's like, how many languages are there in the world? I have no idea. You know, thousands upon thousands. And, and I think angels are extremely cool too. But if I played that symbol and just sounded like that all the time, it would become very, very obnoxious. And so I, I don't know if you get bothered by certain noises. I actually have friends and family members that do. It's called mesophobia. And, and so what are your top five most annoying sounds? And I, and I have like just a simple list uh, out there like whining. I can't, I can't stand whining. Like talk about crawling up my skin and just like uh, uh, my, uh, snoring. My wife loves when I snore. I like squealing breaks. Dogs barking, mosquitoes, people that chew with their mouth open, uh, slurping, babies crying. We love babies, but when they're crying, it's a little, it puts us on edge a little bit. Uh, a constant ticking. Or what about those of you that if I just, just kind of did, like after a little while, you would be like, throw that thing! Like, get rid of it. Are you kidding me? You, like, it would drive you bananas. Or alarm clocks. Like, you, the alarm clock is so startling, and if nobody turns it off quick enough, it's so annoying. Or, or what about the sound that the credit card machine makes when it goes, eh, eh, eh. it's like, I feel like I, I'm scared, like I'm, I'm supposed to, pull, I'm scared, like when that happens, I'm not sure if something's going to blow up. Like, but what's, what are the sounds, you know, that are so obnoxious to you? It's, it's ridiculous. And so 
we don't want to destroy our witness by, by living a life of, that's, that's amazing and incredible, but absent of love. Absent of love and void of it in, in every way. So we've got to always respond out of love to every single person that's around us. Paul continues in verse 2. He says, if I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all God's secret plans, which would be amazing, and possessed all the knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains. This is quite a pious list when you look at it. But if I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything that I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing absolutely nothing Do, if you did that list that's incredible we would look at you as some type of christian superhero but if it's absent of love it accomplishes zero and so when we make this bold vision statement about radical love i mean that comes out of the abundance in our heart like, out of our heart, like, what we say, our actions. So it's, it comes from inside of us. And that type of love can only come from God. We, can't, we can only manufacture that by ourselves for a short period of time. But if it's to invade every single area of our life, and if it's to affect every single person that we come encounter with, that only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've felt God's presence before in your life. Like, I hope you have. I hope that you, when you come to Grace Church that you feel the Holy Spirit. Uh, there are certain times in my life that I can look back, and I remember them often when, when I, I would say, like, I've felt God's presence and, or, or felt his love. So, so I've, I, I try and come up with words to describe it so it makes sense to me. So what I call it is overwhelming feelings of love. So I'll have overwhelming feelings of love for my wife. Like God will shower down on me and show me what it is to love my wife uh, with, with sacrificial love. He'll, he'll give me overwhelming feelings of love towards my sons, you know, just uh, in who they are. And then there are times when God pours that on me for him, where, where I'll feel his love and just my adoration towards him is just, it's just magnified. It's just in that moment. And I'll, I'll share one of the times when it happened and this, it just, Sometimes it happens in the oddest moments in time. So I had this ridiculous, insane idea to run a marathon several years ago. And I trained for months and months, and it was great and amazing. I had a training partner and all that stuff. It was great. Well, when I was two-thirds into this race, right, two-thirds, I'm in it, and I'm kind of, you know, in my groove, and my legs are, are dragging behind me. And, and so of all things... Like, I, you know, you, you, it, there's kind of this, you have to have the, a strong mental game when you're doing something like so, so I started singing some worship songs, just the ones that I loved and I, I know the, that were current. So I literally started having this worshipful moment at mile 18 of this marathon. And, and God's presence fell on me, so much so that I had an overwhelming feeling of love. I am running and literally crying, not out of the pain that I had, but out of just God showing up in a tangible way, undeniable for me in that moment. It just, it's, it's, I'm going, are you serious? Like of all the times, and, and literally my spirit just was uplifted. It didn't help me finish the race any better, but I just had this perfect love that was poured out on me in that moment. 
And I just, I see it and I feel it and I experience it in my life. And it's incredible when it's seen and shown towards other people. And so if you and I want to have that type of love, here's what it looks like. Because Paul continues in verse 4. He says that love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. So what if everything that we said and everything that we did looked like this? That would be incredible. And so if it doesn't, and here's the reality, it doesn't. When you and I live our lives because we have sin in our life and we're flawed, it doesn't look like this. So why doesn't it look like that? Because we struggle with God's love. And so I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you that we can experience this. And so Paul writes it. So we can attain it. So what if we took some of this stuff in our life and we actually applied it? Because the first point I want to share with you that Paul made is that love is patient. I, I talk to people all the time. They're like, hey, uh, pray, pray for more patience. Here's the deal. Don't pray for more patience. Like, that's a lie. Like, oh, don't do that. Like, d- pray for more love. That's how it works. Why? Because if we have God's perfect love, then patience comes as a result. Like, I get it. You know, we, we need patience in our life with employees and customers. And yeah, no doubt. But man, what if we prayed for more love? Now, I know for me, like, I, there are, are many times when I get impatient. And they're like, just a, the same as I have a list of things and noises that, that just kind of get under my skin. I have a list of things that, that are my pet peeves, and I get very impatient. And, and so the time that I get most impatient, and my sons and my wife will certainly confirm this, is when, when I'm tired at night. Like in the evening, I literally, it, I start to struggle. And in fact, my wife loves me so much that she said, wow, sometimes you're a jerk. <laughs> just like, what do you say? No, I'm not. <laughs> You know, so like we need more love to be patient in our lives. And so we have to recognize the times and the things and when we are impatient and why. You ever do that? Like, why am I responding to this person in this way right now? Because there probably is some underlying reason because of that. Paul also calls us to number two, to be kind. That love is kind. You know, I, I, I never, I've never met anyone that wants to spend a lot of time with a mean person. Uh, I've never met anyone that says, you know what, I want to marry a mean person. Like, I want my spouse to be really mean to me and say awful things. Like, we do our best to avoid mean people. Like, we do our very best. I mean, even the the people where, where they'll say things, but there's just kind of a mean spirit about them. You've met people like this. Uh, and, and so it's, it's like, well, you know, you, you got to tell people the truth. Like if, if somebody wants to know the truth, then, then you just got to tell them whether they want to hear it or not. No, you lie to them. No, I'm just kidding about that. <laughs> that was funny. You're like, what? <laughs> no, but so here, here's why. So speaking the truth and speaking the truth in love are two very different things. Very very different things. So if your communication is laced with manipulation and control 
uh, and statements that are meant to be just jabs at that person in their character, identity, and who they are, you are a clanging symbol. You are not responding out of love. And so I want to encourage you, we all do that. And, and when it comes out, it's ugly and it's nasty. And, and so we can actually not live like that and not have that come out. In fact, we can use wisdom in what we're saying and how we're communicating with the people around us. I love this proverb. In Proverbs twenty-five, fifteen. listen to this one. It says, patience can persuade a prince and soft speech can break bones. Men of wives, that's why she whispers to you. It's like, oh my gosh, it's like penetrating to our soul. And so we can be patient. We can speak kind and powerful words that are spoken even as a whisper will influence royalty. I mean, that's the magnitude of what we're talking about with this love and what it looks like. And to have wisdom, to be kind, to be patient, and to say those things in truth and love. And then Paul begins to talk about some things that love is not. Like he says, hey, love is not prideful or rude. It's not boastful. And so that's what I want to share with so, you. So we know what boasting looks like. It's, you know, when somebody's bragging. And, and we all are fully aware when we are bragging because we need, you know, our, our, our self-confidence is down and we need to get boosted up a little bit. Or somebody else is doing that. There's just out of arrogance and you're like, man, they're kind of full of themselves. But if somebody's saying something that, that seems like bragging or it's just kind of a celebratory thing, we can tell if their heart is right in it. It's like, man, I did this awesome thing and I'm so excited. It's like I finished the marathon. I was half dead, but I did it. Like that's something to celebrate, right? And so I'm not saying it as boasting, um, but it just is an incredible thing. And so it, like I know that this comes out in, in my marriage I know early on in my marriage, one of the things that I struggled with for a long time was just having pride mixed with insecurity. And the thing about it is, is those two often go hand in hand. So I was boastful and cocky, and, and one of the things that I noticed is in my marriage, it did not bring us closer together. In those times when I was saying things like that or acting that way, it actually caused a disconnect with my wife. But the times when I'm, when I'm humble... Or, or when I admit my wrongs, or I'm open, and I share things, like that creates that intimacy that we both long for. And so boasting, we recognize what happens as a result, because we see it in other people, but that, this is not about them right now. This is about you and I. When we look at our lives, are we boasting? And there's a great passage of scripture about this, many actually, I'll, I'll use one of them, um, I just, I'll just tell you the story. I don't have the verses, but I just, like, it, it, it's the story uh, of what the Bible calls is the rich young man. So there's this young man. He's, he's wealthy. They call him the rich young man. So he, he, he's got some affluence about him. He runs up to Jesus. He, he's so excited. He, he's a religious person, you know, and, and he's like, like, Jesus, like, what's up? Like, it's great to meet you. Great to see you. So please tell me, what do I need to do to have eternal life? I want to live in, in heaven with you forever. Like, I know you're the Lord. I know you're the king. I serve you. And, and so what is it that I need to do to have eternal life? And Jesus looks at him. He says, man, you, you know, it's, it's great. It's awesome. You need to obey my commands. You need to obey the commandments. Because that's what they were doing. Uh, following the commandments that Moses had laid out through the Lord. And, and so the rich young man, like, he's, he's ambitious. He's passionate. He, 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 he goes, man, I've obeyed them all. <laughs> Now, homeboy may have been lying uh, about that. Maybe he had, but maybe not. Um, but the thing that's incredible about Jesus, 
also a little scary. Jesus can literally see right through us. He sees our, our thoughts. He sees our heart, our intention, our motives. Jesus does not judge this young man in saying that he's obeyed all the commands. No, in fact, he says this in Mark 10, verse 21. This is incredible. This is the Jesus that I know. So in Mark chapter 10, verse 21, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. He didn't judge him, didn't condemn him. He didn't look at him and say, man, who do you think you are? Like, are you kidding me? No, genuine love comes in, out in that moment. But it's truth with love. So in that moment, Jesus also speaks to this young man's pride regarding his wealth, regarding his identity with possessions. He says, hey, follow all the commands. I've done that. Okay, sell everything that you've got. Give it all to the poor and come follow me. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like, come follow me. You don't need that other stuff. All you need is me. Scripture is very clear. It lays out. You can go and take a look at the, the passage if you want to. But it says that the young man walked away uh, very dis dis discouraged. And because Jesus spoke to the one thing that that young man had his identity wrapped up in. And it wasn't Jesus. It was his possessions. It, it was his things. So I want to challenge you. If, if your identity is wrapped up in your stuff, your things, your money, your wealth, um, then that will be a hindrance in your relationship with the Lord. It absolutely will. There's tons of scripture that say that this is one of them. So Jesus speaks out truth in love to this young man. And so pride and humility... They can't occupy the same space. They can't. It's impossible. So if we would be humble instead of boasting, I just, I think the outcomes in our relationships would be a little bit different. And so Paul tells us, he's like, hey, boasting's not part of this scenario. You know, a, a, a simple way that, that I can explain, like the, the pride, the boasting, and the humility, and um, so I've had two very different dentists in my life. Uh, I like, and, and this is going to seem like way out of left field, but I hope it makes sense to some of you. I've had two very different dentists. Uh, I had a, dent, a dentist that was very rough. Uh, like literally, uh, they would get in there, they would push and pull and pride and yank, and like it was violent, and, I, and like a jackhammer, and you would feel it. Just kind of like coming through, like it was just incredible. But my current one is more like a ballerina that dances in my mouth. Um, and, and like I have a dentist that loves me. I have a hygienist that loves me. Like th they gingerly dance. Like it there's a, an incredible difference. And so that's the difference between pride and humility. So love never fails, but pride does. And Paul tells us that. That we need to recognize that. The fourth thing about love is that love keeps no record of wrongs. Now we've all been hurt. Every single one of us. Time and time again. And we will hold on to the resentment. We'll hold on to the bitterness. And so what, what's happening is we're constantly causing unnecessary turmoil in our lives when we're holding on to that resentment. And that turmoil is overflowing into every single person around us. Because it's not loving to, to walk around with, with harboring bitterness and resentment. 
That's not love. And so it affects every single thing, every single person around us. So Jesus says that we're to forgive. <laughs> but we'd rather keep track, wouldn't we? Let's be honest. You know, it's like, remember, remember when you didn't clean up the dog poop? And remember when you didn't call that client back and we lost that contract? Remember when you didn't talk to me first about that decision and look what happened? And I could go on and on with some very hurtful statements that are, that are based and founded in bitterness and resentment. And, and hopefully those things are ringing in your mind right now. Because that's the conviction that the Holy Spirit brings. Not condemning us or judging us, but bringing about that change that's necessary so that we could have love in our life. And so I just would say we should be quick to apologize. Uh, I, this is something I teach in premarital counseling. Qu say I love you. Say please and thank you. Be quick to apologize. And then also... Be quick to forgive. And on top of being quick to forgive, don't remember it any longer. Because when you remember it, you're allowing resentment to build up inside of you instead of love what Paul calls us to through the Holy Spirit. The fifth thing he talks about is that love does not delight in evil. I mean, there is so much tension. There is so much tension in our hearts, in our minds, in our emotions, in our spiritual life. There's tension in marriage. There's tension in families. There, is, there are mean people on social media. And it is shocking what they'll say. And we get to the point where it's like, it's not shocking anymore, is it? And so love does not delight in evil. But what happens is we want to be in control. Uh, and, and we are willing to do anything necessary to maintain that control in our life. And so what happens is sometimes we even move towards things that are immoral, or inappropriate, just flat out sin and wrong. And sometimes when retaliation seems acceptable to us, we do it. We say it, we act that way, even if it's contrary to scripture, we let it fly. We do all the time. And so love does not delight in evil because when we're doing those things, all we're causing is division and hurt in other people that are around us. And so love does not delight in evil. And so now more than ever, we need unity. We need love. We need it in our lives. We need it in our church. We need it in our nation. Because we want and absolutely believe that God can do something miraculous. He can and does all the time. He wants to use us to be a conduit to do that in other people's lives, especially those that don't yet know him. Imagine if we put ourselves in the place where the miraculous worked through us, where we could live in love and also have the type of faith that Paul talks about, that we could move mountains. That's what God's talking about. That's the formula that's laid out in here. Let me give you a couple of verses as I close that, are, that hopefully just continue to pierce our hearts. It's 1 John 4, 8. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Jesus taught on love all the time. John 13, 50, or 13, 35, he says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Love in the church, love, us loving each other, having unity, not division within the church and in our community. That is how lost people will know that we are Christians and follow the Lord. Paul wrote this whole chapter 
in Corinthians about love and explaining what it looks like. And here's what he closes with in verse 7. He's in 1 Corinthians 13, 7. He says, love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful and it endures through every circumstance. And so love never fails. Man, what, like I hope that we're able to, to not only just hear this in our head, but like our hearts would be just open up to what God has for us. It's incredible. I mean, what if we actually lived these five points out? What if we actually did this? I mean, in our, in, in our actions, in our words, the way that we speak, how we treat those that are close to us, how we treat complete strangers, how we treat our children, Holy, like this is incredible what God might do through us if we put ourselves in a position to have his perfect love work in our lives. The only way that this begins is if we have his love in our heart because there is no greater example of love when Jesus laid his life down on the cross for you and I. And so I know some of you maybe have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and that's amazing. Uh, amazing. Some of you may not. And, like, and we're going to have the opportunity to do that because Jesus literally did die. He was perfect. He did nothing wrong. Can you imagine somebody that did nothing wrong taking the payment and the punishment for you and I for all the things that we've done wrong? It's not fair. It doesn't make sense. But because of Jesus' perfect love for us, he wanted to bring the union back together, the disconnect that happened between the Father and us because of our sin. Jesus brings that connection back again. The only way was if he laid his life down, if he bled and died and rose again miraculously. And, and, uh, like It's incredible to think about. And, but that's the type of love that Jesus has for you. And so I would just encourage you, if you, if you know Christ and, and you're following after him, I hope that his love just exudes out of you in every single way. If you don't yet know Christ, it says very clearly in Scripture that we have to believe in our heart uh, that, that God raised Jesus from the dead and to confess with our mouth that Jesus truly is Lord. And, and in doing that, we just acknowledge our love, our desire, our need for him so that we could have forgiveness and restoration in our soul. And then as a result... We have eternal life, we have forgiveness, we have cleansing, and those things are incredible when we truly allow them to be in our life. And so if you guys here in the auditorium, if you do me a favor and just bow your head and close your eyes, and those of you watching online, man, this is the time when we respond to, to, to an opportunity to make Jesus Lord of our life. And so I'm going to do two different things. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask, like, so, like if you need Christ, that you would respond by just simply putting your hand up. You're like, hey, I need Jesus. If that's you here in the auditorium, just go ahead and slip your hand up so, so I can see it. Like, you know that Jesus laid his life down for you and you need it. Like, I, you need to, to, to confess your sins and, and make Jesus number one. That's a big deal. Thank you so much. Don't be afraid. Like, this is, nobody's looking around, but this is the time when we just say, hey, I know I need this. Or maybe you're watching online. Just acknowledge your, your deep desire and need for Jesus in your life. And we'll pray in just a minute, and I want you to pray with me. And then I'll, you can go ahead and put your hands down. I have another question, though. And this one's a little bit more penetrating for those of us that know Jesus or, or 
want to follow him. How many of you would just be willing to slip your hand up and say, I need more of that love that you read about in my life? Just go ahead and put your hand up. You know, that, that love is kind and patient. That's not boastful. It doesn't delight in, in evil or wrong. Yeah, thank you so much. So many hands going up right now. Maybe you're online. Like, that's you. You know you need it. You can go ahead and slip your hand down because here's the deal. Like, I appreciate you putting your hand up. That's for you. That's for me. But God, God sees our mind. He sees our heart and our emotions. He wants to do something amazing right now. And I believe this with all my heart. And so if you're one of those people that, that you know you need Jesus and to make him the number one person in your life, just pray with me right now. Maybe you pray something like, God, I know I need you. I'm desperate for you. I've tried things on my own and I've come up short. I need your love. Jesus, I see what you did for me, and right now I receive it. Like the most gracious, generous gift ever, you gave your life for me. Would you come in to my life? I surrender to you. And Father, I want to pray just something miraculous right now. Lord, this, just this overwhelming feeling of love that you would pour out on us, your people. You know us. We're your kids, sons and daughters. We love you. You're our dad and you're passionate for us. God, that your love would penetrate our minds and our heart and our lives in an incredible way. Lord, that there would just be this miraculous download of that, of your Holy Spirit in our lives. That it would change us. It would change our perspective. It would change the way we see certain people and situations. Your perfect love and your love never fails. That you would be glorified. Jesus' name.